Listen up, real estate investors, entrepreneurs, and agents. You're in the right place. Unlocking the secrets to real estate investing and entrepreneurship. Welcome to the Titanium Vault, hosted by RJ Bates III. Here's RJ. Hey guys, welcome to the Titanium Vault. I'm your host, RJ Bates. Today I'm sitting down with Chris Prefontaine. How you doing, man? I'm doing awesome, RJ. Thanks for having me, buddy. Yeah, so today is a record-breaking show for the Titanium Vault. You're my first guest ever from the biggest little state in the Union, Rhode Island. So this is a record-breaking <laughs> show here. Record-breaking day. It's just a, it's unbelievable transformation. <laughs> so uh, take a quick second, introduce yourself, and tell everybody what it is that you do in real estate investing. Sure. So we've got a family business here in the enormous state of Rhode Island. Uh, we operate Rhode Island, Connecticut, and Massachusetts primarily. We buy several homes per month. We buy them all on terms, which you and I will jump into. Uh, we also then branch out all around North America, actually, U.S. and Canada, and uh, do deals with uh, what we call associates, our students, um, all over North America. So that's, and they do the same thing. So it's just the same stuff we do in our day-to-day. -day. We transform it for them and do deals. Gotcha. So you let, let's just go right into what you talked about there. You buy everything on terms. For the people that might not understand that, maybe they're just wholesaling or just flipping and they don't know what that means, break that down for them. Yeah, sure. So uh, lease purchase, owner financing, and subject to. And I would say in, in, in the order of how many we have in our portfolio, it's that order. Lease purchase, then, then owner financing, and subject to. Now, when I say subject to uh, owner financing, RJ, I'm talking about primarily properties that are free and clear, though. Because I know that you, owner financing means all kinds of things, as you right. know. So we, we target uh, the niche of free and clear for a lot of reasons and we can get into to that. And so when we do those, we do principal only payments on most of those as well. So it's a major, major kind of hedge or re re recession resistant, if you will. Gotcha. Yeah, that's a, it's a lot different. Some of the other guests I've had on that do, that do owner finance. I want to talk to you today about lease options because that's something here in the state of Texas that is frowned upon. Not a lot of us do it. Um, we definitely go the route of owner financing here. Um, so break down that process. What does that look like from start to finish? Sure. And let me, let me uh, uh, give you a little prelude too, to your point. So when someone's brand new, I would suggest they go the route of lease purchase because we're going to build in a $10 deposit okay. versus some of the owner financing methods. But when they get a little more seasoned and they get some paydays going, should they go on financing? Absolutely. So there's a, there's a nice little strategy switch. So lease purchase, um, let me do this. Let me do it on a property, let's say that has debt, right? Okay. But it's not fully leveraged because you can do those too. Let's just pick a $300,000 uh, house, debt two fifty. dollars okay. uh, Seller can't sell it for whatever reason. Maybe they're asking all the money or maybe there's something wrong with the house, but they can't sell it. So what we do typically is we'll go in and say, look, RJ, you didn't sell. You got fifty grand equity if you sold before expenses. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to structure it. Let's just use a three-year term. On or before three years, what's going to happen is we're going to be paying the mortgage. We're going to be taking all the maintenance, repairs, et cetera. We're going to, at the end, on or before, we're going to pay off the loan and we're going to give you your 50. We're going to protect your 50 that you probably wouldn't have got. You didn't get it on the market or you wouldn't right. have, you, we wouldn't be talking. So it's for people that uh, want all the money but can wait for the cash out. And there's a boatload of people. We do, again, we, we, if you count on our associates and us, we do 10 or 15 of these a month. So this, they're prevalent. Now, what happens in that scenario I just gave you? Well, 
after I install my tenant buyer, we exit most of these with rent to owns. After I install my tenant buyer, I'm getting a payment that's higher than my outgo for the mortgage. So that's my monthly payday. We call it payday two. Before I put the tenant buyer in there, I'm collecting a, what we call a payday one, and that's a non-refundable down payment, seven to 10%. On average, we're around 228 grand or so for those. And then picture at the end of that three years that we said to the owner, we're gonna pay your mortgage off and give you your 50. The 50's locked, but what's the mortgage at the end of the three years? It's not 250 anymore. It's less because the principal pay down. We benefit from that. They do not. So payday three is pretty huge because of the principal pay down and our markup of the price day one. We might have went from three to 320 or 329. So all said, those three paydays I just alluded to, they total for us in New England around 75 grand. I've got students as low as 45 grand and I've got students as high as 200 grand in California. So um, I can go back to any piece of that, but that's like a 10,000 foot view of a sandwich lease but to your point you can't do those in texas so right. what do you do you either own it before you do a rent to own or you simply find the same buyer i just said and you assign that buyer contract that you secured to back to the seller and they deal with them directly gotcha. you can do those so let's, let's go back to you said this is a three hundred thousand dollar house and when you're finding your tenant buyer you're selling it for maybe 320 330 how is that possible if it's only a $300,000 house? Yeah, I use that as an example, but the comps would have to be in the ballpark of that in A and B. What's the sell on this now for the tenant buyer? The sell on this is, okay, Mr. and Mrs. Potential Tenant Buyer, you've been renting your whole life. You can't get a mortgage yet. I'm being facetious, right? But this is a right. conversation on a professional level. So we're gonna, you're going to come in here and you're going to pay monthly. You're going to act like you own it. You're going to do everything like you own it. You just don't need a mortgage yet. We're going to help you get to the finish line. And by the way, just like you owned it, your price is locked in. So, so the market stays flat or goes up, you're fine. Your, your price is locked in. And so most of them are tickle pink with that. And you know what's funny about this? The, the first ever house that I ever bought to live in, and this is way before RJ became an entrepreneur and a real estate investor, I actually bought it lease option. I didn't know what oh, I was funny. doing. And, and so I'm very familiar with this process as the tenant buyer himself. We still own the property today as a rental property wow. and, and I'll never get rid of it because it's such a sentimental thing. But yeah, the feeling that I had was there is no way that I can go buy a house today. I didn't have the knowledge. I didn't have the resources, the credit and having an investor come to me and say, yeah, you can buy this with $6,000 down. You're going to make these payments for three years and then you have the option to purchase it. And what looking back at it, I mean, he had a killer payday. He's, you know, he probably made about $75,000 off of Look me. At that. <laughs> After those three years, I had to extend it, right? I had to extend my option for five years. So let's talk about that a little bit because I think that might be where some of our, our guests maybe aren't familiar with if they haven't done the lease option. So when we're talking about the option, you're literally saying they have the option to purchase the house after a certain amount of time, correct? Okay, good question. So, and then I have a comment about how you felt about that. It's kind of cool. I got, I got a bunch of comments on that. But okay, so they have an option to buy it, but it's not, hey, I'm going to try it and see if I like it. They know going in, we pre-qualify them. We have training videos for them. So they know they're a buyer. If they opt not to because of a life event, two to 10% have a life event every year with us right. for our students. And so they leave, but they lose a deposit. They lose that six grand you put down. And they know that coming in. So has that happened? Yeah, we've had divorce. We've had death. We've had, you can't imagine, we've had everything you can think of. Right. And, and that's that two to 10%. But 
you, you know this if you're in the biz. You go online right now and you search YouTube. You will find mentors teaching lease options, sandwich lease, who say out publicly, who cares? Don't pre-qualify for the buyer. Put them in. Take out a deposit. They default. Okay. You might get away with that if you're doing a few deals, but morally and ethically, it stinks. So we set them up to win, and we want them to win in a big way. And so back to your point of, hey, you just felt like that was really cool. All of our associates are the same way. Like our attitude is win, win, win. Mm-hmm. And so we're cashing these things out. That's the goal, not to have this thing for life. Right. And that's the same way I feel when I own or finance a property because the end goal is the same, right? We're, of course. We're, we're giving a, a person that otherwise could not buy a house, a house, a home. Mm-hmm. We're giving them a home. Um, and, awesome. and going back to your point about who cares if they can't purchase a house, don't pre-qualify them. Um, it was that kind of mentality here in Texas that made us lose the ability to do the sandwich lease option. Couldn't agree more. It's, it's always a bad egg. It's what right. happened or a bunch of bad eggs. Right. And, and you know what? We just had the, so, several of us and, and I had uh, Grant Kemp on as a, a guest here. Um, he had to go down to the state Supreme Court and fight for our right to still do owner finance wraps because of the same thing. You know, investors, we can, we can ruin really cool strategies by having that wrong mentality. So I'm, I appreciate you bringing that up and, and coaching the right thing. You know, I mean, that if we don't have the right mindset and we don't take care of people the right way, then, then the government's going to step in and, and make us lose op- opportunities in front of us. Yeah, um, and shame on us if we do it, right? That, that they should. I don't, I'm not big on them jumping in, but if we mess it up, then, then that's our own fault. Right. So let's talk about this. You know, you, you said lease, lease option is a good strategy when you're first getting started. Is that what you teach your students is like the first thing you're going to do is go and try to find these lease option deals? Yeah, we teach them that because look, it, most people and most listeners, I'm sure, are not like overly flush with cash unless they have another niche and they're adding this. We do get that too. Uh, like wholesaling, for example, a lot of wholesales are gravitating towards terms, as you probably know, for a lot of reasons with the market potentially changing. So we say, look, start with lease option or the assign option I told you where you get it and assign it right back because it's a $10 deposit. You can do that. You're not coming out of pocket. You're not doing fix up. After you've created, I don't know, I usually tell them like three deals where you have three paydays now, you just created, you know, 200 grand income, let's say. Okay, right. fine. Now with the paydays coming in monthly and the upfront cash, okay, venture out, try to do an own financing deal where you probably have to pay for closing costs or transfer tax uh, in our area because- if I go to owner financing, free and clear, and I say, I'm putting nothing down, I'm going to pay you all the money, but I'm putting nothing down, I can't expect them to come out of pocket for closing. So yeah, I tell them to wait on those until they get some cash paydays going on. Right. And you know what? I, I got my start in real estate investing as a wholesaler. I always tell people that, <coughs> excuse me, that you need to get started as a wholesaler. But wholesaling is very transactional. Yeah, once, got it. once the payday is done, do another one. You got to go find another one. Yeah. And the beautiful thing about this is, is that you're building that residual income and just with, you know, just with you talking for this first five minutes, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking to myself, expired listings would be a great way to go target sellers, right? I mean, because they tried to sell it and they couldn't, and you could reach out to them and say, Hey, I could still allow you to capture more equity than you could have if you sold it on the market. Is that one of your like marketing strategies to find these types of deals? Yeah, it's one of our key ones because even in, even in uh, great markets, RJ, as you know, there's expired listings for whatever reason. They, 
just find them. And so to your point about the equity, I used to, when I was newer in terms, let's go back seven years or so, I've been at this for 20 something, but with terms, um, I used to very easily just go, yeah, I'll give you that price because it worked. But mm -hmm. now we let the, them do a lot of the talking with our revised scripts and whatnot. So the conversation now is more like, hey, RJ, if you got full price, if you got it, you didn't get it, what would that have netted you? What do you think you would have netted between them offering and then haggling and then the commission? And they give us that number and then we usually go, great, we'll give you that number. You didn't get it, but we're going to give you that number. Now we're like 20 grand lower, right? Right. So that, that's a little bit better to do it that way. Expired listings, yeah, FISBOs are good, but they're two different prospects because the FISBOs are FISBOs. Why? Because they think they can sell. So right. you got to let it, you know, the follow-up's key on that and the motivation's key, but the expireds, boom, just jump on them. Yeah. I mean, the expireds, you're, you're, you already know their pain point, right? They, they wanted to sell. They obviously have a reason why they needed to sell yeah. and, and they weren't able to. And a lot of times it can be something very simple as like, Hey, the layout's just not what the, the people in the market were looking for. It could be a certain price point that in today's market is just come to a crashing halt in specific cities. So there's a lot of different reasons there. Um, let's talk about subject two because that's something I love. Um, I'm actually doing this interview in a house that we took subject to. Oh, that's ourselves. funny. So uh, let's talk about that. Why, why is that lower than, than lease option? Because honestly, it's a, it's, pretty similar to how you just explained like the sandwich lease option and subject to what are the, the big differences there between those two? Yeah, really, really good. So what's neat with you tying this in next and we, we, you and I didn't talk about this obviously is uh, one of our strategies is to take a sandwich lease after they've got the woman fuzzies with you. They, they know you paid the mortgage for nine or 10 or 11 months is when we about when we approach it mm -hmm. and then we broach the subject. So it's easier for a new student to figure this out too. Oh, okay. I'll just do my lease purchase. It didn't cost me anything. A and B, they can love me and trust me after nine months. Then we can go to them and say, hey, I'm also the subject to maybe give them some incentive, like a little cash or something. So that's a good strategy. Um, but the difference is clearly are in a sandwich, you're just getting that at the end, you're just getting a, you know, a, the, the uh, one-time income payday three, fine. But during that process, you didn't write anything off. You didn't depreciate it. There's this big difference. You didn't control the insurance. You may have to chase the owner if the term's three, four, five, six years. What if we've had one pass away? You know, so stuff happens. They got to sign a deed at the end of that. that. Those are the disadvantages to that. So again, as you get your feet and you get your three paydays, stop playing around with transferring some of those to subject twos. Example, as we're talking now, we just finished our offsite for our next trimester as a company. And our goal is to convert five more sandwiches to subject twos so that we can do longer term program and then maybe do a seller financing uh, with wrap or, you know, just yeah, way more control. So on, on subject twos, you know, part of the reason why I love them is, is because you're immediately solving the seller's problem. And we specifically, you know, focus on like pre foreclosures and really newer construction. That's kind of been our niche with pre foreclosures. Or, or was subject to I'm sorry. New, new construction too, huh? Yeah. And the That's reason great. why is because we can take over those payments doing the subject to, and we don't have to worry about any repairs yeah. and maybe there's not as much equity there, but because Dallas Fort Worth has been a very uh, hot market, there has been appreciation. We don't ever yeah. count on it, but we've been able to take certain things down. Um, subject to, I'll give you a good example. Um, when we took it down, the ARV on it was probably 135. Uh, we owned it for three years 
and we just sold it for two ten. Nice. Um, that that was just purely because Dallas Fort Worth is a great market. Yeah, and and it cash flow with us for three years. So that's why we've kind of used subject two as a strategy there. Let's talk about when you go to a lead right now, say they are behind on payments, say they're $10,000 in arrears. How do you handle that? Is is that where you go subject to in comparison to the lease option? Because who's going to make up that that difference there? Yeah. So good, good segue again, because the the subject twos that happen day one, yes, they're usually more desperate. So I'll give you an example like you just did. So we had a couple recently that split and they were behind. And the husband needed to make up some credit card payments. So they just were in need. I mean, they seriously needed someone to step in and go, I only right. save you so you don't get trashed for three years. So yeah, the, the ones that happen day one are usually like that. We just did that house recently. It's at the Cape, Cape Cod area, which is a nice you know, resort area. So it was just a very good, good little deal for us. But yeah, they were, they were more, I don't use the word desperate, but they were, they were desperate in two ways, behind and divorced. And so you, you, know, you got a headache there. So yeah, now as far as making it up, this house had enough equity in it, so we did make it up. And we're actually closing it like tomorrow or today, I think it is, today. And there's about a $6,600 cost to us to close that, counting their costs and our costs. So not a big deal because we've got other deals going now. But again, for a newbie, that might be a big deal. Right. But we're probably stepping into, I don't know, right off the bat, 50 or so. We're closing it, and we already have a tenant buyer in there that put down 40 or 50 grand. You know, So it all works. Some of these you can make contingent upon a buyer, but that one needed to happen right away. We just locked out and got to buy it right away. So you're taking that subject to, and then you're selling it on lease option, correct? Lease option. However, this is okay. So here's another little kind of like quasi switch and variable. So we said to them at the table, I know you, you went through all our rent own videos and you like that. And we accepted you. Great. When you get your deposit up to X, I think we went up to 50 something or 60. We will consider instead of you going to the bank, we will consider owner financing you. And they were just thrilled. So that's been our new twist, so that we can stay in these deals a lot longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're happy. You, you know, you see the look on their face. Like, you mean I don't have to go to the bank ever? Like they just, right. as you know, they're blown away. Right. So let's talk about the owner finance side of things. I, I kind of split owner finance there, even though you said subject two, which are your third most volume strategy there. So on owner finance, when do you make that decision and why are you making that decision? You said you like to focus on free and clear homes. Yeah. So let's talk about how do you get them to free and clear? Because I know you don't use any of your own cash. Yep. Uh, so how, do you, how are you making those deals go down? Okay, two ways. We, we just, okay, before we targeted them, which I'll talk about, we just look at the lead slips and the ones that are free and clear, where our brain immediately goes to, look, I can give you a price. In fact, I can give you a premium depending on how far out you can go for obvious reasons if it's principal only. Um, example, and now I'll talk about the, um, the niche that, to go ahead and target them. So we did a, a deal. The lady was like in her 80s and she actually was an ex-attorney. We didn't know it till the closing table, which was interesting. And my son-in-law handled this whole deal. And at the closing table, she said, you guys did very well. I was an ex-attorney for 30 something years. We bought that house for, I wanna say 310 or 320 and we pay her uh, 1272 a month principal only and we got a 48-month term on that. I mean, just do the math on those three paydays. It's crazy. It's well over right. six figures. Um, now, how do you find those if you don't just kind of let them come in as the lead flow comes in? Real easy. A third of the properties in the United States, I don't know the stat in Canada, are free and clear. A third. I was speaking to a woman in, I think it was uh, Naples, Florida. She's a broker. And she said, she's a mortgage broker. And she said, oh, no, it's higher here. It's 56%. You can just buy a list and fish in that pond forever because guess what? If they needed the money, 
they would have already pulled it out. They are more into ego wise and financially this savvy. They're more into, oh, my house is worth 300. You give me 310, I'll wait, make payments. Right. And they love it. So they get their price and you get a killer term. So if the market changes and you're getting that much principal pay down, do you really care over time? You don't. Gotcha. So you're getting the seller to finance it to you. What are you doing on the back end? Are you still going out and trying to do lease options or are you then turning around and wrapping it and seller financing it yourself? Yeah, it depends on the term. So if it's like a four or five or less, we'll do a rent to own. We just won't pressure them. We'll give them plenty of time and they love it. Hey, you got no pressure. I know you said you qualified in three, but take your time. They usually take it. Once in a while, they surprise us, unfortunately, and cash it out early. <laughs> uh, if we get a 10-year or more term, uh, nice one to do on a financing, even seven, nice one to do the wrapping. Gotcha. All right. So I want to transition a little bit from the strategies and I want to talk about the fact that I have a guest on here and anytime I have a guest on here that was full time and went through to, you know, the, the crash of 2008, I want to talk about kind of your thoughts about where we are right now as a market. And what are you suggesting to both your associates and how are you planning on your company moving forward to what I think everybody kind of feels like there has to be some kind of a correction or a slowdown in the market coming here in the near future. Yeah. So thanks for ripping that wound open and throwing some salt in it. <laughs> um, okay. So if I don't hit all your points, tell me, go back. But um, I, look, I, my opinion now, this is all opinion. I'm not an economist, I, but I don't think it's going to pull back as much as 08, but I, do, I do, do I already see corrections and the higher end, especially slowing down? Sure. And do I think there's one market? No. I, when people go, what do you, what's the market going to do on all the shows? I go, there isn't one market. If there was, it'd be quite strange. Right now, because we have 80-some-odd associates around North America, I can say this pocket's here, this price range is dead. This pocket's here, this is cranking still. Mm. There's a bunch of different markets. But generally speaking, how to handle that is do a lot of what you do on the exit with self-financing, do a lot of longer terms on the purchase. That, that's the answer. Because if you have 10-year terms or more, you're not going to stress at all. And I would, to niche that down, go after what we do with the, with the principal only. I mean, think about it. You've got big companies now. My wife told me this yesterday. Toll Brothers is now buying and building communities and they're doing 10-year rental communities and selling off the whole, the whole community. 10-year, they're doing rentals only. And I'm just using that for the term. So 10 years or more, you're pretty much hedging yourself. And I'm not going to tell you recession-proof and everyone likes to say that. I feel our niche is crazy recession resistant. You're never going to get recession proof, but I think it's as close as you can get. Look, if you it, say the market pulls way back, are the banks on the buyer side, are the banks going to actually be financing? No, they weren't before. So you're like the only game in town. You control right. it. Your door is the only door open with the science says, come on, I'll help you. Well, and I want to go back to something you said right at the beginning, because I appreciate you saying that because very few people view it the way that you do. And I, and I want to ask, you, you brought up that there's not one market, right? There's, there's a bunch of different markets. And even inside a sp specific like city, let's use Dallas-Fort Worth as an example. I know it's two cities, but we all consider it one here. <laughs> so let's use DFW for an example. Yep. Uh, anything below $250,000 right now is hot. Like it, it's selling just like it was four or five years ago. Yeah. But a $400,000 house that used to get multiple offers in the first weekend will now sit for 90 to 120 days. That's some of the difference just within one city. And, and like you, you're in multiple different markets around New England. 
we're around the country. You know, I mean, I see a big difference between what's happening here in DFW than what's happening in Phoenix. Yes. Happening in Hawaii, what's happening in Alaska. They all have their own little personalities and they all perform differently. So what I want to ask you is in New England, you said you're in Connecticut, Massachusetts, Rhode Island. Is there a difference between those markets? Are you seeing different kind of activity and the the temperature of the markets there? Yep. Yep, absolutely. So the higher end is pretty much slowing down in a lot of our markets, except for like when I think of our students, DC might be, you know, still hopping in some of the hotter areas, but our markets, most of the higher end slowing down. I can tell you, I live on an island, not only Rhode Island is tiny, but I live on a three town island called the Quidnick Island. And then let's niche it down on the three towns. My town right here where our office building is, which by the way is owner financing, <laughs> is there's, there's different little segments in my market, like where I just built my home, tore down and built. During the crash, that, that stayed selling. Right. that area. I wasn't there then, but that's what I'm told. So, and, that, and they're, they're nice homes. So I'm talking within one little teeny town. I mean, our population around here off season is 25,000 people. There's no people here. <laughs> right. Still pockets within it. So yeah. And then Connecticut has an issue with in our area that high taxes. So people are moving out and that we're just, properties are easy to get. So yeah, the, the short answer is you tear apart any town, you can do that. Gotcha. So going back to kind of your strategy, you know, it, it's all about being re recession re resistant, not yep. proof. Yeah. Uh, but you talk about trying to create that passive income, the residual income. Are you taking down any properties as rentals and holding them long-term or is everything going to be you're selling it on terms? Okay, so right now, out of we always carry 50 or 60-ish because some are coming, some are going, right? Like I told you, we're buying one today, but it's already sold. So um, some of the properties will be rented out, and some are right now. Maybe there's seven or eight out of there. Why? They either were long enough terms, and we said, let's just rent it for a while, and then we'll exit that later. Or we had someone in it, they had a life event, and our term's long enough. So we said, ah, what the heck, we'll just fill it right away and keep it filled and have a management company. We don't touch them, even though we have the manpower to do it. So we probably have, again, six or eight of those. And I like the mix of that. Owner financing, rent to own, and rent. Gotcha. So I know you brought this up at the beginning. You're a family company. What does that mean? Who all in the family is a part of the business? And, and how does that work with uh, either father slash husband or, or dad? How does that work with you and the, and the, the kiddos? Yeah, so it's pretty cool because over the years, the, the roles have organically come together. Like people ask me on shows, like, how did you like put that together and who agreed to this? I said, we didn't. What happened was I was doing it on my own and then my son was a realtor sharing an office and he, and I, he started helping me with the buyer side of things, thought it was cool. Then he eventually resigned his license and just did this. And then my son-in-law and daughter were in the uh, bar industry, you know, because we were in a resort area, making okay. a ton of cash, but had awful hours. So back in, let me think, December of 15, going into 16, so you're talking a good four or five years ago, whatever that comes to, uh, 16, yeah, four years ago, they, um, they decided to come in. They said, do you have room? I said, yeah, but we don't do salaries. Everything's like you, everybody goes and creates and, and gets paid as we grow. So uh, now fast forward, Nick heads up, my, my son, all the buyers for our entities, right? That's his, that's his role. He's a specialist at that. He just crushes it with creating three paydays. But then he does that for the students too, so it's the same role. Then my son, Isaac, replaced me in the buying, so I don't go out to the homes anymore. He does a lot of that, and now he's training a team of people in the him to do that. And, and then he'll do the same with the coaching clients, right? The same exact end. 
So we just do our same exact roles. My daughter's taken a little bit of a backseat. They just had their second child, so second grandkid So for us. So it's kind of cool. So she's still overseeing some things, but not as active. And then we've got a great team, you know, uh, gotcha. to support us. And I know one of the things that's important to you is core values within a business. Talk about that a little bit. Why, why do you feel like that's important? Well, the fact you asked it second is, is perfect because that's why it works with family or frankly anyone else because those values were not established by me or someone else saying, here they are, go live by them. It was a team effort. And we said, okay, these are the five. Okay, we had 15 things. Now these are the five. And so because of that, every decision, every hire, every fire, every student, which probably would be a strange one for you that we accept, has to live with those. So even people that want to pay us for things, we've said no like five or six times this year. Just you don't fit. It's right. got to or things go astray. So that makes the filming thing and the business thing and the scalability all, all easy. So take a, uh, a moment to talk about the coaching program. What does that look like? And, and what is the process to becoming an associate? Mm -hmm. All of our students are, Jay, it's kind of unique. Like I don't, we don't run around the country doing, you know, promo events. We have two simple things we do. We have a free book, which we're going to give your audience a chance to get to. We have two bestsellers, but we're going to give them for free. And then we have a free webinar. No, I'm saying free to everything because I'm a big believer in, uh, we're not, you and I both can help people. I'm not so naive right. to think, uh, well, the only game in town, like pick a niche, pick a, uh, an, uh, uh, someone's still doing it and pick a mentor you like, and then run with it for three years. But in the meantime, do you do diligence for free? So there's a book, there's a free webinar, and then YouTube's loaded up. But after that, if you say, okay, this, this seems like I like the niche, and this seems like a family I'd like to connect with, like if you can deal with the New England blunt run fast, then okay, we're a fit. And then you can go through our online course. It's, it's pretty simple, but it's robust as ever. It's got 10 modules and about 80 different steps to it. I, mean, I think it's 90 now with videos and audios. Uh, go at your own pace. And so it's the reason I took time to say that and lead up to the foundation is we only do two events a year and everybody in the room who comes already went to that course. So they're all talking the same music. It's not like you're in there feeling like you got a drink with a fire hose. Like you get it. You have the foundation and the vernacular. Everything's the same. Um, and that's it. And so once you go through that process, the associate process is by application only. Gotcha. And when you're targeting people to, to join the program, are you looking for people that are just getting into this or are you actually looking for people that have some kind of real estate experience? They can both apply and we've got a mix. Um, it's funny. We have age group wise, we have 20 to 78 in our associate community. We call it the wicked smart community. And we also have experience and zero experience. I will say most of them, the, if I had to segregate the majority of them, did not have experience and looking to either get out of the corporate rat race or just make a change. We do have some very successful wholesalers and other people like rehabbers that said, that's a niche I want to add to or that's a niche I want to transfer to. Uh, but most of them had to be taught from, from scratch, which is a pro and a con with that, right? It takes time, but, but they're, they're just like sponges. Tell me what to do and I'll do it. So this is going to be the most important question of the entire interview. Okay. Are you ready? Uh, I'm, I'm always ready. Okay. Are you a New England Patriots fan? Of course, my man. There you go. So, so am I. I, oh, yeah. That's, I, I, I grew, unique. yeah, it is unique. So I, I grew up here in Dallas, Fort Worth my whole life. And in 1990, I was six years old. Uh, my, my dad bought me a pack of football cards and I opened them up. You know, I'm a Cowboys fan, right? Yeah. I open them up and I get a card and it's the old Patriots logo, you know? And I'm like, dad, why am I a Cowboys fan? And he's like, cause you live in Dallas, son. 
And I'm like, but I like this logo. Like, I want to be a fan of this team. And he's like, okay, you can do whatever you want because I'm six years old, right? He did not understand that I had his willpower, okay? So that is awesome. my whole life, it was like for Christmas, I'm like, I want a New England Patriots hat. I want the jersey. And so it stuck with me. And then I really started liking it growing up here because everyone was like, how are you a Patriots fan? And, you know, that's when we got Bledsoe and Parcells and we changed the uniforms and we started yeah. getting a little bit better. So uh, I, I love the Patriots. Um, I actually just flew up to Boston um, in December and went to my first game in Gillette. I saw the oh, Cowboys and Patriots play. So. One of our associates is in Pennsylvania and he's a diehard Dallas fan and just constant battle. <laughs> it, it is hard being a fan in, in a remote location like that, especially when it's uh, too, too – massive organization i love it well if you weren't on our show yet let's make sure that the uh, team sets you up and get you on our show and we'll talk some more yeah so um i know you you briefly brought it up but for our guests um you said you have a, a gift for them talk to them about what that gift is yeah so our first book we have two bestsellers one with the ones with the kids and one was my first book it's called real estate on your terms so pretty much everything you and i talked about in more depth but also how to do it uh, it's a hardcover, and instead of buying on Amazon for whatever they price that now, 20-something bucks, just um, go to free, S-R-E-C-book.com, free S-R-E-C for Smart Real Estate Coach. And uh, just when there's a lot, just name an address. We're not going to, it's not get a free book, but oh yeah, by the way, pay 10 bucks in shipping. Nope, nothing. We're going to ship it at cost. Cost is a little over six bucks to do that plus the book. Just put in that, that you heard us on the Titanium Vault. That's all you got to do is make sure you mention the show. There you go. And I'll put that, uh, that link in the show notes. Um, Chris, thank you so much for sitting down with us. Um, it's been an honor to have my first guest from this little state, Rhode Island. The dot. Yeah, the dot on the map. And uh, also a fellow New England Patriots fan. Uh, go Pats. Beat the Titans this weekend. Thank you so much, Chris. Thanks, buddy. Pleasure. Thanks so much for listening to the Titanium Vault with your host, RJ Bates III. For more info and to stay up to date, visit www.podcast.thetitaniumvault.com and on facebook.com slash thetitaniumvault. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate and review, and we'll catch you next time on the Titanium Vault.